Welcome, Internet, to the Pixel Play Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast for gamers by gamers. I am one of your co-hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined as always by one of my co-hosts, Adam, at CS Radical, and Chris, at Jin and Chris, who is currently living his best Florida man fantasy and is not here this week. Uh, so you just got the original duo covering you this week. And we are going to be covering the biggest game of the last week, Starfield. Uh, we're going to be kind of talking about our initial impressions for it's a massive game. I don't think we're going to have time to do a review in a timely fashion. So we're just going to give our early impressions of the game. Uh, if you like that and you want to hear more, you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Pixel Play Podcast. Or you could find us on the YouTubes if you want to see our lovely faces while we make the show. Or on Spotify, where we also come in video format. We also have a link tree with all of our socials if you want to join our fellow listeners chat with us in our discords. You can find all that on link tr.e forward slash pixel play podcast. With that being said, Adam, what is new with you? How have you been? What have you been playing? I mean, I'm doing good. I mean, I'm not in Florida, but at the same time, it's summer. I don't know if I want to be in Florida. I just looked on the plus at the side, you're not in Florida. It's like normally on a regular basis right now, it's low 30s celsius mm-hmm. that's that's for us uh, you know people to actually use the correct temperature system thank you um so i suppose i'm not too upset that i'm not down in in really sticky stupid hot florida at the nope. same time last week we literally didn't do a show because you couldn't because of you know i think your was your kid's first day of school yeah it was it was a long day and literally in this room the best i could do was dry heat but 30 degrees in the room and i'm like no no i will die for an hour and a half because i will not do this completely shirtless because that is for patreon also youtube won't allow it i guess i guess there's a only second people. part of it but you know hey, we can throw an only fans in the in the uh link tree if we need to you know whatever well i mean look the initials to this podcast are pp there you go so yeah. <laughs> but otherwise um, i mean Unless you've got anything else to talk about, I mean, we can just go right into it because I have literally done nothing else but play Starfield this entire, well, I mean, I guess if it was two weeks ago, what was I doing two weeks ago? Was I playing Starfield? Well, no, because Starfield only came out last Tuesday. Came out on Wednesday, unless you paid that extra price, which I'm surprised the amount of people who like paid that extra $40 to get the early access like I I did on our, uh, on our Labor Day because I literally went, I have nothing to do today. And I'm not starting anything because I'm literally going to put it aside for Starfield anyway. So screw it. Fine. Here's your 40 bucks. Thanks, Microsoft. I guess this is me getting, giving you some money back for all the other things I've gotten for next to nothing. So you know what? Fine. I'll let this go. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was like really struggling and I was in the same boat. I'm like, I'm not going to start something else. So I played, um, yeah, I was just playing Microsoft's biggest exclusive, um, through Game Pass, I was playing, uh, what's it called? Arcade Paradise. (laughs) Paradise Arcade, I think it's called. Let me look it up. Have you heard of this game? I don't think so. Okay, we're going to be talking about Starfield this week, but I just want to give a shout out to this awesome little game. Let me just see if I can get the right name. Um, But essentially what it is, is this like small little game uh, available on Game Pass. I don't know if it's on PlayStation, but it's essentially that you are like a 19-year-old kid and your dad... first-person walking thing where you're like running an arcade or something? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So your I dad gives you game pass. I didn't look into. Yeah. It. Your dad gives you a laundry mat and like, he's all like, Oh yeah. He's like the laundry king of, I don't know. It looks like South Detroit, whatever. Um, 
And he's like, yeah, here, you can run the laundromat. Um, and there's a couple arcades in the back, like whatever. And he's all about you wanting to like make a name for yourself as like a laundry tycoon kind of guy. And so you go every day and you like do laundry. You have to keep the place clean, you know, maintain the toilets and stuff. But there's also like a couple arcades in the back. And slowly you realize that you can make more and more money by running the arcade. And so you like spent, you save up the money to buy like new arcade games. You, you increase the cost, you reposition them. So that you put like less popular games beside popular ones to give them a boost. It's basically like you're running an arcade in the back of a laundromat. And it's so awesome. You put like, everything <laughs> right next to dance dance revolution. Pretty much, pretty much. So like, it's a lot of fun. I spent way more time with it than I thought I would. Um, it's well and like the the graphics are pretty good for the most part it's got a weird tinge between like like realistic graphics slash something that looks on like steam early access but like it's fun and the gameplay loop is very addictive so if you have game pass and you just want something that's easy to kind of like just put on a podcast while you're playing it definitely recommend paradise arcade but would we also recommend starfield for podcasts (laughs) uh personally i'd say no so let's just jump well, into it. Based on how far you probably are, maybe not, but there eventually does become a loop where it's like, you know what? I can I can do this without having to do too much uh, paying attention. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into our Starfield uh, kind of early impressions, like kind of this is an official review. It could obviously subject to change, but just kind of we are both. Uh, I'm about 15 hours or so in maybe 10 hours into the game. Adam, how many hours are you into the game? Probably about triple what you've done, because I'm level okay. 32. That's the life of a, of a parent, just, you know, warning for all of you people who are thinking about it. That's what life is like. But we are not going to be spoiling anything with uh, Starfield. We're going to kind of keep it very surface level, talking about mechanics, general themes, but not so much in terms of maybe a little bit of light spoilers and like the early aspects of what the story is setting up. But we're not going to be spoiling anything major in terms of. Plot yeah, I'm not going to go like too in depth on story. I might say like a couple of very vague things that are that are in <clears> reference. <throat> but like unless you've played deep enough into the game, you probably won't understand a word of what i'm saying anyway so yeah so adam like let's just jump right into it what initially surface level how are you feeling about starfield uh it's been an up and down thing because i i've been of i've been of like maybe like 15 different minds over the course of the 45 hours i've played because there were points where i'm like this is really good and then there were points where i'm like ah this is really jank though (laughs) And then there are other times where I'm like, yeah, but this is really good. And then there are other times where I'm like, but this is a really stupid decision. Why do they do this? And then it's like, but I really like that. And then I go, but I really hate this. So like I've bounced so back and forth that like, I don't even know what score I'd give it right now because I dance between a 10 and a four at times because there are just certain things that I'm like, this is dog shit. And then there are times where I'm like, I fucking adore this. (laughs) <laughs> and I just can't make up my mind. So I guess if you're kind of centering it, like the 7.58 range is probably where, you know, you're averaging it right now. But I mean, as it stands, like, I mean, obviously I've put almost 50 hours into the game, so I must enjoy it in some aspect. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm not getting paid for this. So, you know, if if I'm, you know, actually getting paid, I'll suffer with almost anything if the price is right. But uh, I mean, it's a Bethesda game. Like, I know a lot of people are either in the camp of trying to really overly defend it. And then there are other people that are just focusing only on the janky stuff because, you know, every game out, especially after Baldur's Gate three, everybody just assumes it has to be like a pristine edition game now to which I go, no jank 
is capable of being overwritten by something really good. There are games that are pretty bad in terms of like how certain mechanics or how certain bugs are. But if the story is really good or if the gameplay is really good, you can look past a few things here. And that's kind of in Starfield in a nutshell where like there are a lot of things like I could sit here for about two hours and jostle off like the 55 things that I don't like about Starfield. But there's also an equal amount of things that I do like about it that are offsetting it. So I still end up having no qualms about continuing on. And I mean, when we get towards the end, you know, then we'll be able to finally truly judge it for what it is. But as it stands, you know, I'm glad that I get to eat crow a little bit because it is a pretty damn interesting game to play. Is it going to be game of the year? I don't see any reason to believe that it would be game of the year. But I also don't think that compared to, say, Fallout 4 or Fallout 76, neither of which that I enjoyed at all when I played those, uh, I am enjoying this leaps and bounds more than I enjoyed the last couple of Fallout games. So if Space Fallout is what it took for me to start liking Bethesda games again, I mean, it makes sense. Something had to be Mass Effect, you know, when Bioware is not making these anymore. Yeah, for me, I am in a bit of a different camp. I think, once again, I'm early, so the polish hasn't worn off yet, but... I'm really liking it. I'm a big sci-fi fan. I love space exploration. Um, and I'm liking the, f and I'm not a big fan of like alien space sci-fi kind of stuff. Like, obviously there's like some, like, yeah, there hasn't, there hasn't been anything in terms of like, it seems very much like just a human based colonization sci-fi adventure, which is what I particularly like. I would say this is like a high quality, highly polished Bethesda game. This is not the best game ever made. This is not um, like I would I haven't played Baldur's Gate, but I feel like Baldur's Gate is probably the superior RPG of the it's two. It's very polished for but Bethesda standards. Let's go. This with that. is a very polished. This is a this is a polished Bethesda game. If it is not going to sell anyone who doesn't like Bethesda. But if you are a fan of their work, you're definitely going to like it. I love the story. I feel like they've actually improved a lot of things like Bethesda is not known for um like gunplay in terms of their store, their games. But I feel like this one drastically has improved it. it. Yeah. So like for me, this is just, it's Bethesda at its best um, for good and bad. This is not to say this is the best game ever, but it is the best Bethesda game. I think we've gotten in a very long time and I'm very excited. Since about it. So, New Vegas, I would, I would say, honestly, I, yeah, I would say probably like I oh, was no, not sorry, a big, that's, like, um, that's uh, technically Obsidian. That's Obsidian. So Fallout three then. Obsidian. Yeah. See, I didn't mind Fallout 4, but it was not their best adventure. I literally um, played it for like a few hours and went, this is literally Fallout 3 without any anything interesting about it. I'm not yeah. interested. See, for me, I love post-apocalyptic games and I love exploring. So I always enjoyed exploring the like the wasteland ruins like that just appeals to me. But um, let's jump in like first into just general. Once again, the narrative, like we're not going to go into super spoilers. Um, but it seems like the, the just I have and I'll, I'll kind of take a lead on this one because I'll, I'll spoil less because I know less. But it seems like you are part of a group called Constellation that is going around um, looking for these mysterious objects that you discover. And this group is going around looking for them. This isn't a huge spoiler. This comes in like 10 minutes into the game. It's not huge. Um, and then there's a bunch of factions that you can join along the way. Um, do you think it's spoiler if we talk about what the factions are? Uh, at Adam. this point, I mean, you could be vague. I mean, as of right now, I've been a part of three different ones. Two of them that are, I would consider to be 
you know, your good guys, like one of them is very military based. One of them is very much like almost like, um, like in a way, I guess it's almost like a wild West, like sheriff's office. Yeah. Lone Star Ranger. There's also space pirates. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what I've seen so far. Yeah. Your choice of, your choice of factions you could join are basically from what I see space Marines, cowboys, pirates, cyberpunk, I'm waiting for space and, ninjas and pirates. That's pretty much it. Like, yeah. So, I mean, right now I'm living my space cowboy fantasy. I'm going around bringing justice to an, uh, like unlawful space, you know? Oh, so you're doing the and free I'm loving star right now. I'm doing free star. Okay. Um, keep honestly, keep on that. And this is for anybody who hasn't played Starfield yet. As soon mm-hmm. as you have the option to go for this faction, stick with that quest line. If you can, because your default ship, isn't that great you get a nice reward at the end of that entire storyline and it's worth it. It is worth it. Okay. So stick with that as long as you can. So I don't know. I don't know if you get level gate out of it because I started it much later than I think others would Mm -hmm. have. So you might, uh, you might have to stop for a second just to get a little bit better or a little bit better gear maybe, but stick with it as long as you can, because the rewards are uh, very, very highly worth it. I just love the theme. And like, this is one of the things that kind of bugs me is that like, cause fallout or to a certain extent had it that you could play all the factions, but at some point there was a cutoff where you had to like choose a side to be part of. I don't get the impression that that's something that happens in Starfield. And I kind of feel like some of these factions are diametrically opposed to each other. Um, and I find it weird that you can kind of play all sides. I mean, as I much as you can had anything to, to give me an inclination that I'm going to have to pick one eventually. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. if that's the case, like, you can make a case of uh, you're going between different star systems. Who's going to remember your face? That's true. You, you could true. literally just dip out and be like, all right, I'm just going to join the uh, the collective version of this space cowboy group out in this galaxy. They won't remember <laughs> a goddamn thing about me. True. It's like those old sitcoms where it's like one guy like going on two dates at one time. No one's going to know. <laughs> um, what are you thinking of like the story, though? Like not going to spoilers. Like, do you find the story captivating? Do you find it engrossing or is it just... Is it just background noise and you just going out? It's honestly for me, window dressing at this point, like at the beginning is very strong because the, I I don't feel like the story as I stand currently with Starfield is a strong narrative, the atmosphere and the exploration and the, um, the awe of the world around you is what is really the narrative to you. The story (laughs) is just kind of things to make you go from point A to point B. Whereas, you know, in a game like, say, a Mass Effect, there is a story-heavy focus mm-hmm. in there, where I think with Starfield, it's not to say that there isn't a story focus. There are a few moments here and there, and one in particular that I won't spoil, that do- did actually make me go, son of a bitch, because I realized <laughs> what was going to happen, and, you know, it was a big deal then. But, like, all in all, most of the story missions that I've played... I couldn't tell you much about them anymore because it's just go find the thing or go kill this guy or go do the thing. Go find this place. Like it's not it's not too intense on the story it's trying to tell. Like this isn't me with a trails game where I'm talking to you about how you need to play 10 games to really get the most out of the story. Starfield, you can do anything in any order and out of order if you want. Like it's not going to make the biggest difference because at the end of the day, you're looking for for space junk. And you can just go to wherever you want. And if you want, if it means you're going to take five hours on one planet to just go and do every little side mission, whether or not it's important, 
you can do that. Go right back to the, the main story mission and you won't miss a beat because you'll remember, oh yeah, I was looking for the thing. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're not getting too lost, but I wouldn't say that the story is like, if I was to give it a rating, like it's a five sto- level story, like it's nothing special. It's just, it's painfully average, but you aren't playing Starfield looking for, you know, a Game Awards best story nomination. Yeah. I, for me, like what I find... I don't find Bethesda ever really does amazing stories. What they do really well. Well, sorry, scratch that. They don't do very good campaign stories. What I find Bethesda does very well, and they do it very well here, is they do very small contained stories and vignettes. And that's what I I'm enjoying about this. Like it's these small little missions where like, hey, there's this thing going on with like these different parties. Like, you know, you have to kind of go and deal with it. Like I did one where there was like, a hostage taking at a bank. And like, that was kind of like a fun little story to do. Like it doesn't contribute to the larger story at all. Like it doesn't matter what the outcome of the story is, but there's a small little adventure where I'm, you know, a hostage negotiator and that's super cool. Um, yeah, there's specifically so yeah, I, two missions I can think of off the top of my head in my 45 hours where I went, that was a cool mission, but for the most part, do- it's more just, okay, I got the thing, and then I fought a bunch of stuff, and I found this cool gun, and I found this cool thing, and this person said this really funny line of dialogue. But, like, if you asked me to tell you back the story, I would have been just like, I don't know, I just went into a place and killed everything until I found the thing where the marker told me to go. Yeah. Did you do the, uh, speaking of, like, cool stories, I'm doing one right now, I haven't finished it, but did you do the one where you find the, like, resort planet? Like, there's, like, a resort planet, and they're dealing with, like, a problem... Um, with like a spaceship and stuff and you have to like have you done this one i'm not sure i'm trying to think now i'm i might have but i also have played like so much now that there's so many small missions that i could have like tripped over others but again too like it also depends on what paths you're taking because there's a few missions that i've collected since the beginning of the game that i've just ignored mm-hmm. and that's something interesting that i found with the game is like this one i am picking up side quests so fast because it's doing something really neat where you don't have to necessarily talk to someone to pick up a quest like if you're just walking by a conversation and you overhear something that can trigger a quest, which I think is really cool. I find I've also just basically avoided the assignment boards because those quests are basically go to the planet, find the thing or kill the guy and be come back and get your small amount of credits. And that's yeah. been my problem with those. Like I did a couple of them to try them. They literally yeah. will just give you like a small amount of credits. And by the time that I was starting to do those, I already had accumulated quite a bit that I didn't need it. So at that yeah. point, I'm like, this is a waste of time. And especially some of the um, the Constellation assignment board missions, it goes, oh, go find an extinction event on this planet, which means you literally have to go on the ground and scan things on the planet that don't tell you where to go. You just got to find them. And that's way too much work for a small reward. Whereas I could easily pick up another board that just says, go find this guy on this planet and kill him. And that's a lot faster. Yeah. So there, there are some missions that are definitely not weighed equally in terms of uh, enjoyment factor. Some of it is definitely a completionist part, and that's where you're not going to hear me talk about it much because uh, I'm already amazed that I haven't like charged through the story even harder. Mm-hmm. As you know, you know, being there. Well, the main reason is there's a point now in the story where uh, it's kind of made me stop because I really want to f- finish uh, some skill trees first before I do anything yeah. else. So I'm like, shit, I could do this. Or I could go in style, and I want to go in style, so I'm doing a little bit of extra work. <laughs> well, let's circle back to one thing you were talking about. You were talking about uh, the extinction events and having to like go on the plants and 
and, and like scan things. But I think that brings into a good topic of like the navigation of Starfield. Let's talk about like both in space and on the planets. Like one thing that Todd Howard kind of talked about was, you know, there was the idea that you could like fly to any planets and like land and stuff. Like, how are you finding the navigation both in space and on the and on the planets? Well, the navigation sucks to the point that I have now just decided to go through the mission screen and fast travel to everything. Because flying around is, is slow and pointless. And mm. honestly, I was c- correct, at least in my assumption, that the planets themselves were going to be pretty devoid of life. Mm. And the idea that, like, alone, you can go to Earth, and Earth, again, this is a very minor spoiler because it's told to you very early in the game, the atmosphere of Earth is completely gone, so it's become a desert planet. It's and, Mars now. Yeah, it's basically Mars. Um, and... It's weird because there are monuments, well, I should say monuments on the planet that are literally just landmarks and there's no other buildings. So you're trying to tell me that like, for example, they gave me, oh, go visit the landmark and the New York landmark. So I go to this spot on the map and you can see it's the Empire State Building and nothing else. And I look at that and be like, are you telling me that when the atmosphere left and the planet turned into a desert, all of New York is gone except for the Empire State Building. No, that's not how this works. And, like, with just any other random planet, though, like, it's snowy tundra planet with the odd thing, forest planet with the odd thing, desert planet with the odd thing, moon with the odd thing. It's exactly what I thought it was. It's the same for anybody who's played Mass Effect 1 when you're driving around the Mako. It's barren land with the odd thing there that you can go to. So... The exploring all of these planets, Todd, is not an interesting thing unless you apparently like staring at endless nothing. So that part of it was a little frustrating. And like I said, the actual navigation to these planets is really clunky because originally I started out using the star map because I figure that's what you're supposed to do. So, okay, I want to go from where I start at and I want to go to this next star system. Okay, so I go to the star map. Then I got to hit B to get off of the planet that I'm on. Then I got to hit B again to get off the star system I'm on. Then I got to drag my cursor around to find the star system that I want to do. It's not like it just like hard clicks to everything. No, I actually literally have to pull all the way and try to yep. find it. Click on that, then click on the thing I want, and then hold X to, to go travel. And depending and that's on assuming- where I'm at, you still got to wait for the grav drive to engage and that's like a minute's worth of, of button prompting before you get to the place you are. Or you can just open up the mission screen, click on the objective you want, hold X, boom. So it's And that's also irritating. assuming, like, there's also the issue that, like, your grab system or gap system, whatever it's called, may not even give you, like, may not even be able to take you directly to that solar system. You might have to hop to two or three solar systems yeah. to Depending get to where you ship, want to go. Because as you get bigger ships, you can make, have, you can make further distances. In the early stage, the Frontier, which is your base ship, does not give you a lot of room. So there's a couple of missions in particular where I had to jump twice, and I'm like, I hate this. Why (laughs) why are you not just letting me go to the system? Because they're like, well, you got to stop. You can't can't fuel up. I'm like, yes, but there's no fueling system. It replenishes itself after every jump anyway, so why not just let me jump? Make the assumption that I stopped at other planets on my way. Yeah, it's like, I just yeah. want to go here. I know that we're like all thinking like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where they tell you not to jump between too many gal- star systems in a row. It's going to cause some shit. But um, I'm playing a video game. I'm not experiencing the grab jumps. Just take me to the damn system I want to go to. See, I like the space navigation. Like the, the map and the navigation doesn't bother me. 
I love flying my spaceship to different like solar systems and stuff. That doesn't bother me. It is clunky. It is unintuitive. But for me, I kind of like it looks the... nice. Like the HUD looks nice. Yeah. I just don't like the amount of button prompts it takes. I just love like the whole charting and everything like that. Like it just it makes me feel like a spaceman and it just it the, does look very, very visually aesthetically pleasing yeah. for sure. But I'm with you. Like once you get to the planets, like the planets are kind of boring. Uh, I find it very I find it very difficult to actually like land on the planets. Not like it's hard, like it's not complicated, but like you have to find a planet, set it down a marker, you mark land on that spot. But like there's a couple of times where I've wanted to particularly on like Mars. And this isn't a huge this isn't a spoiler, but like there's a part point in Mars and there's like two st- stations right beside each other. And I want to land on like the one like actual base and there's something beside it and it keeps wanting to make me go there and i'm like i don't want to park there i want to go park at the base um, yeah it's great so like it just... it'll say i want to fast travel to this specific place and it'll go oh so you want me to take you about 500 meters outside of it no no put me near it <laughs> yeah but i like it um in terms of crafting i'm not a big fan of the crafting at all i don't want to spend time looking for iron and picking up a whole bunch of trinkets because the trinkets take up weight and i don't want to pick up a bunch of trinkets in order to craft other items like are you using the crafting at all do you care i about honestly the have not at all in fact i basically gave up on the research system as well and i also haven't mm-hmm. i built one outpost and then realized there's no reason for me to use this either because i mean space wise once you get a bigger ship the cargo won't be an issue because you just throw it all in the, in the ship cargo and mm-hmm. a lot of elements you can just buy in shops and you're going to be so flush with creds especially if you're like me and you steal everything uh, you will have more than enough credits to buy resources if you really need them. Mm-hmm. So it's that's never been an issue. But yeah, like the crafting system to me, it's it's also the way the skill trees are. I don't like either because some of them are tied into skill tree things, and you don't gain levels enough to me to be able to actually flesh out the skill trees to make it worthwhile. So like, I still can't put a suppressor on my. I'm level thirty two and I can't put a suppressor on a gun, like. I am a wizard with a rifle, but I, if you ask me to how to how to turn the little suppre- suppressor on the on the actual like barrel of the gun, I'm an idiot. So it's one of those things where it goes, there should be certain things that need to be weighted differently. And the way that the skill trees are, again, like, I don't know if you want to talk about it as well, but like, there's just some stuff that is completely useless, but it, it's gated or the stuff that you need is gated underneath another level of skills so that you have to unlock a certain amount of to unlock that next row. And it just seems like, but I don't want any of these abilities. I'm literally just picking these out of like necessity because I want the one thing underneath it. Or why do I have to keep leveling up this skill in order to even get something remote? Like the reason that I'm waiting to keep going forward in the story is because there's a skill that I need to unlock a couple more levels of. And the only way to do it is by destroying ships while I'm flying through space. But it's usually at random, so I'm not coming across space battles, which means I'm not leveling up that skill, which means I can't progress. So it's it's frustrating that these skills, A, I think you're not leveling up. Like, you should be getting more than one skill point per level because there's, <clears throat> like, unless the idea was that you're supposed to be specializing in something, to which I go, then you still need to limit how many skills there are because even with like i don't know if i'm going to finish this game in like the 40s at this point or something there is Mm -hmm. nowhere near enough skill points to have a a nicely fleshed out character whereas like i have i think two or three abilities maxed out and everything else is like a collective run of ones and twos 
because there's up to four levels. So like, yeah. I'm not getting like the most out of it in terms of my skill sets, which is kind of frustrating being this far in the game. And like, there are some things that I'm looking at in the skill menu being like, why don't I have this? And then I look at the rest of my skills. Oh yeah. Cause I really need this first. So it's, yeah. it's, I think there's a few tweaks they could do with that to make it better. Cause there's so many things that tie in together that because of one bad decision they've made, it's affecting like five other things at the same time. Because I imagine the crafting, as we were talking about a second ago, the crafting would be better. The outposts would be better if there was a, a reason to do them and B, if it wasn't so unintuitive because it's not really, it's not really interesting to do in the first place in the same way that like, I'm begrudgingly doing lock picking and I don't like how they've decided to do lock picking in this game. It's not. Oh, I like fun. the lock picking. I like it was, the lock it's picking. It's okay for a while, but after, once you start getting into expert locks or not, not expert master locks, they're fucking infuriating mm. because it's very easy to screw them up. And unfortunately, if you screw them up, you start pick, picking away at literally, I mean, it's a pun intended, I guess you start mm. picking away at all your digipicks. And there's an ability yeah. if you max out security where it will, you can automatically, take away a digipick to show only the things that are going to be used to unlock the locks because they'll give you more than you need. But like, mm -hmm. again, digipicks aren't exactly like in massive supplies, so it can be very easy to also lose a bunch. Yeah, and that's something I noticed because like I go back to the Fallout games and they used to have like the whole bobby pin system of for picking locks and you had a ton of those. Like it was very rare that you didn't you have a bobby pin. You wouldn't lose them unless you find... broke because you weren't doing it correctly. Yeah, like you, you were forcing it. But I find, yeah, here, like the digipicks are pretty sparse and like. And they will break even I don't if you're doing lose them. it right. That's that's my um, other issue, too, is if you do the entire yeah. puzzle correctly, you still will lose a pick. That makes no sense. It, it's a, it, consume, it consumes. Every time you open it, it consumes. Yeah, which to me. And sometimes like, it's not even worth it. No. Yeah, especially that because a lot of the time it's just a handful of credits and some ammo, which is like. Or cool. here's some. But here's some food where it's like it recovers three health, three health. I'm like, great. I've got oh, like yeah, 200 hit one. points. The food is completely useless. I was <laughs> stashing food for a while until I realized, OK, I can just keep stashing and buying med packs and that solves my problem. I don't need food. Yeah, because like a, a thing of food will like weigh, you know, point whatever pounds, which is not much. But like when it only does three health at a time, you like, carry like 50 of them to get your health bar back. Pretty much, yeah. It would be so easier that... if they would also have like a button that just takes every food that you have until you max out your health again. Because mm -hmm. also, it's not exactly fun to go, okay, now I'm going to eat a bunch of this and a bunch of this and a bunch of this and a bunch of this. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, wow, I just only did 5% of my health bar. That was a waste of time. I'm going to drink... I'm going to drink four four liters of milk to get my health back. There's no repercussions of drinking you four liters of milk all, all once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do appreciate the Canadian representation, though, with the uh, Canuck uh, freeze-dried poutine and maple pancakes and stuff. I do like that. I appreciate Oh, I haven't that. seen that yet. Oh, yeah. There, there's a yet. brand that has, like, a maple leaf on the can, and it just says, can, uck. <laughs> oh, I have seen that. I'm sorry. I have seen that. Um, going back to the skill trees, I'm mixed on the skill tree. Like, I totally agree with your criticism of, like, there's not enough skill points because I find that annoying. I do like the fact that like you have to do something in order for your skill points to increase. I don't mind increase. that. I think though that in some cases they are they take a little too much. Like again, the whole thing of needing to destroy ships to unlock a skill. Ship combat isn't as common as you think it is unless you're literally just traveling no. planet to planet to find them. 
But like, what about like if you're what if you're playing as a space pirate though? Can you just like initiate combat with people? You could, yeah. But at the same time, I'm trying not to piss off all of my my companions because they get very upset when I do anything really bad, which is another complaint. <laughs> Sam Co, especially since you were talking about him earlier, uh, one of your like companions, him. he really does not like it when I'm when I'm when I'm a uh, quippy comical bastard. He really doesn't like oh, yeah. it when I make jokes, and I don't appreciate that because he looks like I someone got... who should like jokes. He got mad at me at one point because I was talking to someone and they're like, what if we just got rid of the people? And I'm like, hypothetically, how would we get rid of them? And he's like, I hope you mean super hypothetically. And it's like, Sam hated that. I'm like, cool, like, cool down like, for a Sam, second. But like, I'm I just love you. Tone it down a little. <laughs> I'm just asking a question. Like, come on. So but like, it's, um, not even, I, it's not even me saying anything that could harm people. It's just me like making a joke at somebody's expense. He's like, that's mean. I'm like. Sam, you're a space cowboy. Grow a fucking spine. You're a space cowboy who grew up on the frontier. Like, you figure you'd have, like, a little bit of, like, leather skin kind of this kind of stuff. Like, come you'd on. You'd think, but instead he's, he's as brittle as they come. Yeah. For the, going back to the skill tree, like, I kind of, I, I agree with you. I hate the, the fact that I have to jump through a bunch of hurdles to be eligible. So, like, I'm trying to become a... I want to be a pistol wielding cowboy. Like I said, that's my whole thing. So I'm upgrading my pistols, but like, or even like my jump pack, like I got a jump pack and it consumes energy. And so for me to like get, I had to do like 10 jumps in combat. Cool. No problem. That's super easy. But then I have to spend a skill point on top of doing all those tasks in order to upgrade it. And then that takes away from me upgrading something else. So like yeah, I can't to me upgrade it my health. Be once you unlock it, then all you're doing is clearing the missions to unlock the next rank. Because yeah. that's the other thing. Too. Yeah. Again, at level 32, I don't even think I've unlocked more than 20 skills, which is yeah. pretty bad considering there's like at least 20, or I'm trying to think, there's like five, I think there's like... There's five, there's like five windows. Each with each group, something around that. Yeah, it's, it's about right. So and like, then each one, I think, multiplies by four, right? So when you think about it, I've been playing for nearly 50 hours and I've probably haven't even unlocked a third of the skills yet at their base level. And you can't, and you can't upgrade the lo the lower tiers until you upgrade enough on the top yeah. ones, which is, and I don't yeah. concentrate on one field because I'm not like, I'm not interested in specializing in just combat or just ship piloting or just, mm -hmm. um, science, especially science. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't care about botany. Are you kidding me? <laughs> We're not like, fucking nerds. We're here to go shoot. We're here to explore space and shoot people. We're not nerds. Like, it's another frustrating thing again with the lack of skill points that you have because it's like I would understand if like maybe you come across books that unlock another skill right? point. Right. That that's what follow you because to, you do that's find what books used to along do. the way that will add like something. Like they'll say, oh, like you'll add another two, like another couple bits, like another percentage to your shield or something. I don't know. I can't think mm -hmm. of any of the ones off the top of my head, but I'm with you. I have like I say, I want to say like around ten of these books that just do some sort of permanent addition to your skill set. But like mm -hmm. there's nowhere you can like pick up a book that just adds an extra skill point to you. So you're spending so much of the game and it's not like I'm asking you to let me unlock literally every perk out there. That's not what I mm -hmm. mean. But also like I'm going to finish this game and go, "Wow, I didn't even unlock the skill that allows me to do more damage with energy weapons." Like that's yeah. where I'm sitting at this point because I can't justify them because I don't use energy weapons that much. So there are a thousand other things that I need to be worrying about rather than that. 
but it would be cool to also have my one really badass laser gun that I don't use that often actually be viable. But yeah. I can't because I want to make sure the stuff I'm using more is viable. Agreed. Agreed. Like, and the thing is, like, if you want, like, there's a theoretically that you could end the game with the same amount of health that you had at the beginning, because, like, to upgrade your health is a skill point, which yeah. is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, like, there oh. are things immediately that you go for, like, you go for ballistics immediately, because that's just bullet damage, period. That maxed out pew, immediately. Pew. Security yep. is a big one, because you want to be able to lockpick, because that's going to get you a lot of early loot. Persuasion, obviously, is a big one. I've also found that, um... Uh, we actually boost pack put a pin a right there deal because the boost pack is basically a core mechanic of Starfield. So oh, 100%. Want to boost that? I was at the point where I was trying to get to one mission, like an early mission, and it's like you need a boost pack to do this. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't have one, but I want to pivot back. I mean, technically, Persuasion. you always have one, but until you unlock the skill, you can't use it. I don't it's know. It's just how to a use backpack pack. on you that you're just wearing for show at that point. Yeah. What do you Which think? Which is also system? dumb. That skill, no matter what, should be unlocked at the start of the game. Because mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but it shouldn't be that difficult to figure out how to use a jetpack. I'm sure it's just a button on your arm or something that you're hitting to just turn it on so you do a little boost. You can't tell me that that skill couldn't have been unlocked at the start, Bethesda. Like, you clearly yeah. made this a core component of your, your system. Why wouldn't you just unlock it? Right. Um, I want to go back. What do you think of the persuasion system and how they do it there? Uh, I don't like it that much. Because a lot of the time, especially now that I've unlocked a couple other ones, like I've unlocked the commerce one, which is just, or no, it's bribery. And yep. that one gets me through a lot more than actually <laughs> persuading people. Eventually I just go, oh, there's the red option, which is normally really difficult to get to get people to like. And it's just pay 2,500 credits and it completely clears out the bar. And I'm like, I have 300,000 credits. That is like me literally like handing out a five to people. Like that's nothing. <laughs> Yeah. It's weird because, like, I like the persuasion system in the sense that, like, how it works is you have, like, a certain amount of pips. Like, you need to get, like, a score of four to to get the person to agree with you. And different different comments have different score values. So, like, and different odds of actually hitting, too. Well, I find this is what I was going to say. Like, so, like, the, the numbers are work, but, like, as you go, like, larger. So, if you have, like, a suggestion that has, like, six points, if you get them to buy it, it'll totally work. But, like, it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason as to like what is the higher percentage of success. Like yeah, I've done low ones. Where... I've started to wonder if it's actually just a narrative base because it, it is. Feels like it's a hundred percent. It's 100%. And this is what I think is really neat. I think that the color scheming on the side is BS. It means nothing, at least as far as I can tell. But the cool thing with the persuasion system is that you almost need to like. It's interesting now because you have multiple choices on how to do it. And you have to kind of read into like what the prompts are telling you. Right. So like if like like going back to the hostage negotiation, like you have to read about like what the hostages are concerned about, what they're like, what they want. And then you have to find the answer that best correlates or best like if they're scared, you have to leverage like, you know, comments that bring out fear. If they need sympathy, you got to sympathize with them. Like it's interesting that. The. um like the like you have to pick the comment that kind of makes sense with what they're saying, not necessarily what is the easiest or the hardest. And I thought yeah, that was really cool. I think that's probably true. But at the same time, like there's still that part of me that wonders if it's just random because there are some people that I'm just immediately addicted to them and they go, whoa, OK, fine, calm down. And I'm like, 
you're literally been holding a gun to like people. Why are you suddenly yeah. freaking out just because I yelled at you slightly? <laughs> so it's like, I, I think it might just be at random and it would be honestly, if it really is like a narrative based thing, I think that's cooler than putting numbers to it because that's what it looks like when you stare at it. Is that, mm-hmm. Oh, if I do the ones, I have a better chance of getting them, but I only have so many turns, which is another complaint I have about it. If I succeed, why am I losing a point? Yeah. The only time you don't lose one is if you're at literally your last point. And if you get it right, you get to keep going. To me, then at that point, I go, well, then why am I losing the points on the other ones? Like, mm-hmm. the system just doesn't make any sense. That's also another reason why I'm not too big on the persuasion system, because I don't understand how they made it. Because, like, it feels like yeah. it's supposed to be a chance thing, but then it also feels like a narrative thing. But it also feels like a you have only so many chances but then you have infinite chances technically. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's I, I don't really know where to go. And especially once you unlock bribery, it's almost completely pointless for most characters because then you can just throw money at them and the problem goes away. Yeah. Also, um, I do like though, how cool. um, later on, as you become more and more developed, uh, there are other things that unlock. Like I, I can't remember how I got a hold of it, but now there's an option for industrialist. Which is me being like, you know, you playing cyberpunk and wanting to go corpo. Uh, you can just be corpo and just be like, yeah, you're going to understand this. And they'll completely just bypass what you're doing because you understand that they're speaking their, you're speaking their language. So they're like, oh, shit, so you know it too. It's so I can't get anything past you. I literally was just doing that recently on a mission where I could have persuaded or I could have attacked them. Or they just gave me an industrialist option and they said, oh, so, you, so you're X-Core. Oh, then you know how this works. I'm like, yeah, I know. And then it just solves everything. So I, I like that as you get more experience too, there are options that can even get you through stuff faster. But it also, again, goes and flies in the face of, well, then what's the point of persuasion? Which is why I only have it at rank two and left it alone since, because it doesn't seem like I, uh, I need to go any higher than that. Yeah, I was putting a lot of money and time into, into persuasion. And I'm kind of like, well, I don't think I necessarily need this. Um, at least it's not something I'm going to put points in right away. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um graphically what do you think of like the both like the performance the visuals and the art style of the game like do you think that this does this look next gen does this look old like what are your thoughts on the performance of it uh i think it depends on where you are if you're just staring into this into into well i guess the universe it looks great like being on a planet and just seeing like there was one planet that i landed on where i was literally next to like a jupiter-sized gas giant and that looks so fucking cool that stuff is really neat, but like the planets themselves, when you're on the ground, don't look that good. It just looks like an endless field of jaggedy rocks, so it doesn't really look that appealing. The... Which is probably how most planets look like, to be honest. Like sure. I've not been to other planets, but, but that's the probably graphics what they aren't like. really good, aren't really helping it either. When it just looks like really pointless, like texturing, like it just looks like a lot of copy and paste work. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the sandwich in these games looked really super detailed. So, like, there's little bits here and there. It's the same thing where I keep going back and forth. There are a lot of things that look really, really good, and there are a lot of things that don't look that great. Like, I think a lot of smaller areas don't look that interesting. A lot of the NPCs, like, a lot of the clothing doesn't really look all that detailed. A lot of the facial expressions are very, as Bethesda games always are, they're not really all that well put together. So, like, I think the graphic fidelity for space, which is what Starfield is supposed to be a you know it's major factor of i think that looks great the actual p 
people part of it and the actual like moving like the enemy types and things like that like they don't look that great i don't i think <clears> that's where it falters so like you have the awesome background to stare at and then everything on the ground with you is okay at best like do i think it's next gen i think for how it's running it's probably next gen but i wouldn't sit there and put it up against say you know like uh like a horizon or a last of us uh, part two or anything like i think there are there are things that are better than it but at the same time, like I'm not playing a game as big as Starfield is, and assuming it's going to be like breathtakingly game-changing graphics, because there just isn't enough space to hold that. Otherwise, the game would be like terabytes big. It would just be impossible to fit on a hard drive. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with you on on the uh, idea of presentation and and all that. Um, any kind of closing thoughts before we just move to a larger discussion about Starfield? Anything you kind of want to talk about? Uh... I really don't like the space combat. It's very, it's very much hold down the trigger and then just slow down it when they pass you speed back up when you get them in your crosshairs again and fire. It's not nearly as interesting as at least with, um, with your ground combat where you have the boost pack, you have, um, special abilities that you can use and you have like, you're all these little like different guns that you have. Like there's a lot more differentiation in the combat on the ground, but in the ship you have at most three weapons and the flying around, even as I've like unlocked a little more maneuverability, it's not enough to make me go. This is really good. Like I've played the last, um, what was the star Wars game that was specifically just space combat? I'm blanking. Uh, is it squadrons? Is it SWAT? It might be squadrons. I think that squadrons. felt way better, and I still didn't like it nearly that much, but it's definitely way better than what Starfield oh. has. But squadrons again, we're was also talking so about a game that's trying to do so many different things too. But like, the only thing I, I don't like, get with space com- the only thing I don't get with space combat is why is it fly like a World War II fighter plane? Because like you're in space, you could theoretically pivot, like you could like stay in one spot and spin. But this one, you constantly have to be moving forward, like like a. I think also like the idea to... that you and the captain's chair is doing all the work. I think it'd be really neat if you could switch between things mm-hmm. rather than piloting because you're mm-hmm. like, you're not flying a TIE fighter. You're flying mm-hmm. this big ass ship. You can walk around. There should be multiple battle stations. I mean, we mm-hmm. all watch the expanse. We know there's, there's multiple things for the gunners. So like, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be possible to be like, okay, if you have somebody who's like your pilot, because I think I think Sam's major skill is piloting, which I don't know what the hell that means. Well, I think I yeah, see another thing too, but I'm not even gonna bother with that part. Again, that's part of the list yeah. of things that I don't get with this game. But like, couldn't you recruit somebody who's a good pilot and then you flip to the gunner seat and just do all the firing, so that way you can move a lot more smoothly to be able to shoot the things rather than it passed you. Now you have to turn around, but if you turn around at full speed, it's going to take forever. So you got to stop, which means you're going to take a shit ton of hits turn mm-hmm. to finally get them back in your crosshairs and go again. It just feels very clunky. And it's also because I need to do ship battles to unlock that skill. I was telling you about it's equally frustrating because I don't want to do ship combat more than I have to right now. Mm-hmm. That's like my last big complaint. Like there are a lot of things like when we do a review, I'll probably have a master list of things, but the ship combat is one of those ones that I'm like, man, a lot of people thought it was looking cool, and I went, I think it looks cool, but I'm also concerned, and I'm immediately here to say, like, I hate it. I don't think it's good <laughs> at all, and they could have gone without it. Yeah. um, I'm so far liking it, but I'm still early on, so I'm 
going to see where this kind of goes. Like, I still think it has the polish of it being new. And I'm also kind of invested because I bought a whole console for this one game. So I like kind of like, no, it's totally great that I bought it, but I'm absolutely What's the thing, like, it, so. like people have asked me, like, well, would you get it? I'm like, well, as a Game Pass game, it's fucking worth every dollar you pay for Game Pass. And then mm-hmm. like, I don't yeah. even regret paying hold, the extra $40 Adam, fee hold to that get it, play it early. Hold that thought. We're going to circle back to sure. that in a second. I, I want to go to another conversation that's been going on with Starfield outside of just the game itself. And that's reviews. What are your thoughts on like the reviews? We see some places that have been doing like sevens and average kind of things. Some that have been doing tens. Like, what do you think? Who, like, who do you think has got it right? Is this game a 10? Is this game a seven? Where do you kind of fall with the reviews and like the drama that's been going on there? Uh, it's hard to say. Cause again, like, when you look when you look at like a Bethesda hardcore player, they are absolutely in love with this game. I think I honestly don't think like I've seen the I've seen the discourse, like people mad that people are giving it a ten, people are mad that they're giving it a seven. Again, you know, this is this whole thing with game reviews where apparently you can't have an opinion because if it's not the exact opinion of another person, it's wrong. To which I go, okay, like I don't agree with every game that gets a ten, I don't agree with every game that gets a seven. Did I enjoy the game that was that they said was a seven? Yes. Does that matter now that they put it as a seven? No. I still like the game. Also, by the way, a seven's a good rating. I know that we all think that seven means it's shit. It's a good rating. Seven is two steps above average. That's pretty good. But I think it's literally described as good. Yeah. And Starfield is a good game. Like if if I honestly had to like say where I fall on it, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like I think I'm probably gonna finish somewhere around the eight range based on where I'm at. Like, unless the game gets completely tedious towards the end and I start really docking points on it, I think eight's probably about the sweet spot. Because, again, it's a Bethesda game. You go in knowing it's going to be buggy. You go in knowing there's going to be a lot of NPC dialogue that's going to be a lot of filler. That's just going to be you moving from place to place. But, like, the scope of the game is incredible and it isn't as boring as I thought it was going to be. Granted, am I going to spend time, like, exploring planets? No, but I don't think I was going to do that anyway. But at least I don't feel like I have to do that. Whereas my concern was is that they were going to force you to have to go to city, like, little settlements upon each planet. No. You can get away with going to basically... At this point, I've maybe gone to five major places. You can get away with that and get most of the quest dialogue done, and you'll be more than... You'll get more than your money's worth out of that alone. And if you're the kind of person that wants to do a bunch of completioning, well, this game is for you because there is so much goddamn shit to do. So you'll be plenty busy. If this is the one game you play for the next four months, you've got lots of room to work with. You you can find oh, yeah. things to do. But like, I know for sure it's not a 10. Like, if I'm looking at this purely objectively, there is no way this game is a 10. Anybody who's giving it a 10 is either, I'm not going to say paid off, but is going into the overhype of a AAA game. Or they are literally the type of person who plays these types of games. So it's literally everything they want, but to the overall gaming perspective, it is not a 10 and there is no way that it's a 10. And if if it's a game of the year nominee, I'm willing to accept that. But if it wins game of the year, then we have some serious issues. Like that's, that's my general opinion of it. But like anybody who's getting upset about it being a seven, even a six, I would say is a fair, is a fair outlook at it because there is a lot of things wrong with this game that you, I, if I really wanted to be stupid critical, like really high levels of critical, I could dock off a lot of points from this game. It would be very easy to do so. It's just, again, like I said, 
there's a lot of things going forward as well that can kind of like counterbalance it. So it's just a matter of, you know, how many points do you dock? Because, I mean, there's enough things wrong with it. It doesn't matter how well it balances out. I can't give it a 10 if there's a lot of things wrong with it. So it's a matter of like, what do you do? And I think that's the problem with reviewing in general is that it's gotten to a point where the rating system used to be one to 10. We used to see games getting twos and we knew that that was a bad game. Now we look at a game getting a five and we go, that's a two. Like that's what yeah. it's become now. So when I see people rating it as a 10 and getting ups- getting upset about it, I see, well, yeah, because they only have three choices. It's eight, nine, or 10. And they think it's a great game. So by that logic, it's a 10. And then when you see people who do it as a seven and people go get really mad because while well, sevens for the longest time mean they're okay at best. Starfield's not okay at best, but seven's not okay at best either. So it's kind of hard. Like, I don't like the discourse of both sides of it because like the only reviews that I would get upset about at this point would be anything that's below a five. Cause I think that's being very disingenuous. Yeah. I think, I think one of the issues is that like, it depends on what you're going into. And I think Bethesda is kind of a victim of 2023. I mean, we've had amazing games this year. Like we've had Jedi survivor. We've had uh, tears of the kingdom. We've had Baldur's gate. And I think, Baldur's yeah, the Gate. timing of Baldur's Gate 3 made the review discourse even worse because now you it have just, like that perfect, like literal perfect 10 out of 10 to like so many people. And then Starfield mm-hmm. comes out this, you know, NPC like ridden buggy open world mess. And people are like, you're going to put that next to Baldur's Gate. Yeah, and I think that that's disingenuous. I mean, they're two different games. Like, sure, they're both RPGs, but they're not in the same vein. And so like. I think that if this had been any other year with an average release that we typically see, I think Starfield like would have done a lot better. I think this year there's a lot of competition of amazing games that have come out. And I think that this game suffers from that. If this game comes out last year or especially the year before in the like really, really rough COVID years, this is a star. No pun intended. Yeah. I think the, the other problem is that like some people had themselves hyped up. This was a Bethesda game right? Like we know what Bethesda is. I find that this is a 10 out of 10 uh, for, for a Bethesda game, right? Like it's far less buggy than it normally is. Like I'm not seeing nearly as many bugs as I saw in, and in like fallout four or Skyrim or anything like that. Like, remember what Skyrim was like on the PS three when it came out, it's not that level, even fallout 76. It's like leaps and bounds better than that. Yeah. Like NPCs will still get their like shaky shakes, like every once in a while. It's really funny if you blow them up from behind on their packs and they fly into the ceiling and then they'll literally get stuck and just start like flopping around like a fish up in the ceiling. See, yeah. those are funny. I can deal with those. I've yeah. had a couple of quick save crashes. Yeah. But, like other than that, like you, the auto, the system auto saves so much that you don't lose almost any progress anyway. So it's not been a yeah. big deal, but again, like it's a Bethesda game. You knew yeah. it was coming. You know it's going to be coming. exactly. And I think those who kind of knew that this was a game from Bethesda and expected a Bethesda game were really happy with how it turned out. I think the people who were expecting this to be some groundbreaking, you know, revolution for Bethesda are the ones who are coming away being like, eh, "It's a seven. Like, and that's kind of where I think it falls. So, like, for those who are kind of on the fence of like, should you get it or not? I think it's like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a Bethesda style game? Great. Follow or Starfield hits that number. If you're looking for something fresh and original, Starfield's not that game. It is what it is. It's unapologetic, but it does it very well, but it is not, it's not reinventing the wheel. No, it's, 
And again, like anybody rating it a seven, is it necessarily because they were overhyped? No, I don't think that's necessarily true either. I think you can pick a lot of things about this game to lower that rating enough to be a seven. Mm-hmm. But I think also like this is where we're coming again too with the idea of can you take a review at its face value? This is why, again, I don't trust written reviews anymore. I go to YouTube because you can hear, you can see what they're talking about. And also, like, you build a rapport with an individual. Whereas, like, again, everybody points to IGN. IGN is, like, 50-plus people that do reviews on that site. Yeah. So it's not it's not X person reviewing the game. It's IGN reviewing it. And it's never the same person reviewing each game. So IGN rating one game a 10 and one game an 8 isn't indicative of what IGN thinks. It's indicative of what the reviewer thinks. Whereas, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Whereas, like, say, like, I, I'm a big uh, Yahtzee Croshaw zero punctuation guy on The Escapist. So when he that likes doesn't surprise game, me at all. I Yeah, right? But, like, when he <laughs> likes something, I know what that means now because I've built a rapport of seeing what he's done over the years. Same goes for a guy like Video Game Donkey. Like, there are certain guys out there. Same goes for Total Biscuit before he obviously passed away. You build Rip. a rapport with guys after you've seen what they've reviewed for different games. You get a feeling for what they actually like. You get a feeling for what they don't like. And Dunkey did it best in one of his um, his videos about game reviews where he said, look, I fucking hate JRPGs. So when I think Persona 5 is actually pretty good, you know it must be a good game because he generally doesn't like JRPGs. I mean, shit, Kalen was really interested in Final Fantasy 16, and this motherfucker hates JRPGs. So you know that I Final do. Fantasy 16 has yep. something going on. Yep. It you know, despite your opinion towards the end, but you know, it, it doesn't, but it sells it at the first time or like that. But that's the thing. Like it's hundred percent. Find your personality that resonates with you. I don't know. Maybe it's three yeah, guys like, from Canada who do a weekly at... podcast. Adam, let me do the plug. Maybe just listen to three guys from Canada who re- like chat about games that they like. And you get three different opinions all in one place. I don't know. Where would you well, find something like that? Mine because you think all my opinions are trash. So, but that's the discourse. You have someone who has bad ideas and you're like, Oh, if this guy's <laughs> given that opinion, go with the opposite. I'm going to listen to this Kalen guy. He knows what's going on. But like, as like we said, like if you go to an aggregate, like a Metacritic, like what does that tell you? Does, does Starfield being in, actually, you know what? Starfield being an 85, honestly, in this case is actually a pretty fair. Yeah. It's, it's pretty accurate. I think that's actually pretty fair. But like, if you go to Metacritic, generally speaking, or rotten tomatoes, if you're a film guy, like you're just looking at an aggregate. That's not usually indicative of anything. Go mm-hmm. find someone that you trust specifically. Like, if you've never, if you can't, like, if you haven't found somebody, okay, just search Starfield Review. You fa- start no, you somewhere. did find someone. You found us. You found us. You're listening to the podcast. You don't need to look anywhere else. Just listen to us. That's well, all you We haven't need. done a review yet, so I guess technically they can't. This is the kind of review. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, you find, you find, like, a, a number of channels that you've seen, like, okay, here's, like, 10 games. Make sure some of them are ones that you like, so you already know what you're thinking, and then find some that you didn't like. Have a reference point. And work from there. And instead, what happens is, again, because we live in an age of social media and internet forums where it's toxic as all hell and everybody needs to have, like, an us versus them mentality, it seems. Ratings to them just is indicative of, like, oh, you think the game's trash or you think the game is, is over, like, this game's overrated. How could it possibly attend? It's like, guys, did you like the game? If so, good. Cool? We're good, right? And if you don't care, like, if you didn't care for Starfield in the first place, why do you care that it's getting a 9 or a 10? You're not going to play it. What's the fucking difference to you? Oh, I know. Because you're going to be mad when it it wins awards over another game that you like at the Game Awards, which is another conversation we have to have, again, (laughs) probably, towards the end of the year, when everybody starts getting mad about that, too. 
Let's do it around November, December when the nominations yeah, come Yeah, let's out. come back to that one again. But like, again... Circle back, guys. Y'all need to just enjoy the stuff that you like and don't worry about what other people are saying. Holy shit. Adam, I want to ask, ask one other question. We've talked about, like, the importance of Starfield to Xbox. Question is, did, was this enough for Xbox? Is this, was this the game that they needed, or does it fall short? It's the game they needed, but after Redfall, I don't know if they've gotten their money's worth out of buying, uh, buying Bethesda yet. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. I think I think there's some I, I more work to be done. I disagree. I think this is exactly what the Xbox needed. I mean, oh, it's they what took they media. It's no, but I think it's a huge success. It's a huge success for them. I mean, like literally, they took the Sony pony that is Kalen, aka Catastrophe, and I've got an X. Damn it, other side. I've got an Xbox now. Like See, I'm not literally the only one that doesn't X- know how to look when when the camera's mirrored, right? It's so weird. But <laughs> I'm. I was the one who I went out and bought game pass and a xbox series x for the sole purpose of starfield granted i'm loving all the other stuff i'm seeing on there i'm playing diablo i'm playing uh paradise arcade once again check that one out that's also really good but i'm also like i'm now in the ecosystem right and i'm yeah, I really enjoying and it and tell you all these little short like two to four hour games on game pass you should be touching now i know but it'll still take me three weeks to get through the four hour game well look at least we get you <laughs> starting somewhere now we can now we can have that's both true. you and chris cry over your backlog except the except for chris it's gonna be 10 <laughs> times more but he has the time and yours is yeah. gonna be 10 times less but you don't have the time i've already feel like i'm overwhelmed because i've got tears of the kingdom on the go i want to get into armored core uh i'm working on starfield like it's brutal but yeah like i think it's it's a huge success like i saw anecdotally on reddit like someone was saying that they work at a GameStop and they've sold more Xboxes this month than they've sold in the past, like three months. So like, I think it's a huge success oh, and yeah. I think it's really good. They I think this is, this is the start from that game. This is the start of Xbox turning that ship around and becoming a viable player again. And now the, they have to the follow ecosystem. up, which is the big one. And I don't know what that next follow up is at this point. Cause I mean, there's, there's stuff on the horizon, but like, there's not that de facto one. Like Starfield was the big one. We know Elder Scrolls six is not coming for quite some time still. It's just getting Fable's started now for quite some time. Like anyway, Dark is still one. hidden behind like some amount of developmental hell. So like there's nothing on the horizon that we can see. That's like that level of big that we're going to go like, Ooh, that's the next big one. I think the interesting thing, though, is that like now that people are like if they're getting into the ecosystem for Starfield, like I got into it for Starfield and I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get this game pass because it's such a good idea. And now I'm like, oh, look at this game. Check out this game. Like it's really like I'm now in that. It may not be that, that I'm there for the first um, for excuse me, first party exclusive or like the party exclusives. But I'm now there for like the the ecosystem of itself in Game Pass, which is honestly super cool. And, you know, screw you, Sony. You, you messed up with the PlayStation Plus, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Plus is doing badly, but in comparison, again, it's no contest. But we've said that a, th- a bunch of times on the show before. Like, Plus yeah. is a decent alternative, but it's not the better alternative. Plus, no. once in a while, if especially if you don't buy a lot of games, you'll get some nice stuff in there every month, usually. Same with the yeah. free... Like, it's a comparison, too. The free games you get every month are pale in comparison to what Xbox does. Xbox is, like, literally... That's why they gave up. They can't do it anymore because Game Pass is just better anyway. But, like, yeah. I do think that what Plus Extra does still does some good stuff, but Game Pass just seems to have the better overall... Especially on the indie side, they definitely have a, mm-hmm. a much nicer selection. But, like, both them having Sea of Stars on the same day for day one is unprecedented, and I think, of all games, that is a huge one to do it on because it's being lauded right now as one of the best JRPGs ever... Not just hmm. in the last like 
generation the last few years ever. So that's a big deal. And I and again, it's you know I'm glad that you're on Game Pass now because you can see sheer, just the sheer volume of stuff you can get there that is ever rotating and ever adding. And it shows again that like competition's great, and it, we, it's why you don't want Xbox to fail. It's why you don't want PlayStation Plus to fail, even though you know it is currently not the better option right now. But you want it to get better because it means Game Pass can only can get better. And if Game Pass gets better, then PlayStation Plus even gets even better. Like that's what you want. And hmm. and it's why I'm glad that I have both consoles because it allows me to see both and be able to nitpick. Okay, this is what I like about this. This is what I like about this. This is what this needs to work on. This is what that needs to work on. And it, it yeah. makes me appreciate what we have now because back then I was used to just having one console. So you didn't know what the mm. others had. You would go to a friend's house and you would see like the shiny thing and you would be like, man, I wish I could play that, but I can't sucker my parents into spending another bunch of money for that. Yeah. Um, Adam, I'm gonna leave, we're going to wrap it up with one question. Do you recommend, I mean, I think obviously if it's a Game Pass game, no question. Would you recommend someone buying an Xbox, either S or X, to play Starfield? If open world games are your jam, it's a no-brainer. Now, if okay. you're not an open world gamer, if you're not into a game that's going to make you play like 40 plus hours because this game will if you're going to finish this game you have to play it for this long like i know speedrunners are doing it in under five hours i think but it's no weird one, though Don't no you. one's playing like a speedrunner at the first time they play it so um if if you're not if you're looking for like a very heavy narrative driven experience starfield's not the game but like i think at this point you know what you're walking into starfield so i mean i would say yes to it in almost every aspect but I mean, unless you're the very small amount that literally has no interest in Bethesda games or you got a gr an axe to grind with them, well, then I guess that's answered your question for you. So really, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is just yeah. flat out yes, because I, I think the very few people that wouldn't enjoy it, they don't need me to convince them because they're not going to hear it anyway. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say to someone, if you're on the fence, this is not something worth getting an Xbox for. If you are interested, if you like Bethesda games, I don't think you're going to be wrong to go out and get even like a series S to play this. It's it's more Bethesda. It's Bethesda at its best, but it's not going to sell anyone who's not a Bethesda fan. So, yeah, like to because to I, me, too, is Starfield like on its own enough? I don't think that's a fair question either, because Game Pass itself is also the big part of it, because let's be honest, hmm. you're not buying an Xbox and then buying a copy of Starfield because that doesn't make sense cost wise. You just get Game Pass for a month even and there's mm -hmm. there's your problem solved so like that's a pretty good test right there so on its own does it sell xbox i don't know if that answer is yes but i mean if you're getting it through game pass that's an easy yes yeah awesome and i think with that i think that's gonna do for our i don't know what we're calling this early impressions review kind of thing at starfield um yeah so adam thanks so much for like helping out. Thanks for joining. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Uh, Chris, you've done nothing this week, so no thanks for you. Uh, hope you're having fun in Florida. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that. If you like that and you want to hear more, we post episodes every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube and Spotify. If you want to be part of our Discord, start chatting with us. We're talking all about Starfield right now, um, but we uh, would love to have you guys join us. You can find us wherever you can find us on Linktree, linktr.e forward slash pixel play podcast. 
Uh, and with that, it's been uh, great chat with you. We'll see you guys next week. Bye for now. <laughs>